Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I got that real good feel good stuff. Up under the seat of my big black jacked up truck. Rolling on 35s. Pretty girl by my side. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. I don't know if we're going to file this one under they might be mariners or just general lookout landing. But this is all in the same stream, so it doesn't even matter. We are recording the night after this very unusual draft. I am Kate Prusser, the managing editor of Lookout Landing. I can't remember if I said that already. But I'm joined tonight by our prospect slash draft expert, Joe Doyle. Joe, how are you? I am exhausted. How are you? Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's wild. I was like, well, the one good thing about the draft being shortened this year is, it. you know, I'm always, seriously, when the draft concludes, I sleep for like three days solid because it's just, I mean, it's covering it all day long, like live tweeting the pics, dealing with the social media aspect, tweeting about it, writing up articles, and it just goes on. You know, it's three days. So by the end of it, I'm exhausted. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. it won't be, you know, only five rounds. It won't be that bad. I'm already exhausted. Uh, yeah. We're on day one. There's one was, more day. So. I was exhausted by pick 10. Yeah. Like, just cooked. <laughs> well, I mean, the, we're also not helped out by the fact that things went wacky in this mm-hmm. draft, which is good for us because it's fun to have a lot of things to talk about. Uh, we have a ton of your questions to get to. Th- to. Thank you so much for sending those in uh, because we're, we love that you guys are excited as well and out there and covering this. It's certainly fun to have a live baseball adjacent event. Um, Joe, this draft was wild. Talk to me about it. Yeah. I mean, you spend 
you know, I've probably spent the better part of six to eight months working on this draft class and developing relationships and, you know, just ingraining myself into the fabric of what June 10th was going to be. And 45 minutes before this draft, uh, everything was a dumpster fire. I mean, <laughs> it was a complete dumpster fire. Every mock was destroyed. Appropriate for 2020, right? I, I said it like three days ago. I said, there's a chance Heston Kerstad goes number two. And if it happens, Austin Martin's going to fall. And if Austin Martin falls, then someone else has to fall. And what happened? I mean, the top 10 turned into a complete like shooting range and nobody knew what was going to happen next. But it was fun. I Just mean, a bloodbath. It was yeah, a total it was a bloodbath. Blood. When it doesn't go chalk, then uh, there's something It's to talk a bloodbath. Did you see the um, thing that Cespedes, our buddies over at Cespedes BBQ, uh, tweeted out that was a list of like their mock draft and kind of the top a few from like prominent local l- prominent outlets and they were just I mean it looked like the red wedding <laughs> there was yeah. so little green I think everyone's I mean if you're watching like the NCAA March Madness basketball tournament it's like everyone's board was toast by the second pick Nobody actually had the gall to put Kerstad at number two. I mean, I mocked Nick Gonzalez at number two that I thought that was a pretty good pick, but boy, oh boy, was that a stunner. Yeah, I was not ready for that. And like, we kind of got the the news rolled in and then it was just like scramble, 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 scramble. And there were these rumors coming in all over the place and um, it really just upset the apple cart. But it was so funny because pick one was so sedate. It was a, it was what we all knew was going to happen. It really lulled you into a false sense of security about this draft when the Tigers took Torkelson, which we kind of all knew. But, I mean, just like, I feel like it was just a month or two ago we were debating the relative merits of Torkelson versus Martin. And now look what happens. Yeah, I mean... I think you could make a good argument that the the Tigers got off, you know, best here because they got a known quantity and it seems yeah. like everyone else scrambled the whole way. Yeah, the, the Tigers were that kid on your hall who does all the studying in advance and like during finals week is just absolutely relaxed like sitting great analogy (laughs) sitting on the quad with like a bottle of wine just chilling and you're all running around trying to make sure that you get to all your final exams on time i always hated that kid i aspired to be that kid hated that kid never was that kid yeah that's me (laughs) i definitely think things go a little haywire um most of the time, really. For whom does the path of true love slash baseball slash life really run smoothly? Yeah, we saw things get real wacky real quick. And then I guess the big surprise to me was I was like, okay, I had heard that I'd heard that Baltimore was looking to go under slot. I did not expect Kierstad, but then I expected things to get back on track and for the Marlins to take Aza Lacey. And they didn't. They went for Max Meyer. Why did that happen? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, <laughs> why? why? Max... I mean, everybody said ASL Lacey was the best pitcher. Why would the Marlins not want the best pitcher? Well, the Marlins have a ton of money in this draft. And my guess is 
beings that we found out Max Meyer had already like agreed to and signed a deal with the Marlins like 25 minutes after he was picked. I'm guessing the Marlins gave him a pretty, or I'm guessing Meyer gave the Marlins a pretty good number. Um, they've got. He's been in Minnesota. He cannot yeah. fucking wait to get to Florida. Oh, amen. Like, I mean, absolutely. If, if you were given that opportunity. All your affiliates are in Florida? Yes, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll skip the Batavian muck, muck dogs. Thanks. I do think that Miami, I say this. I say this cautiously because I really like Max and I think he's going to be a really good player. I think I'm higher than, than him uh, on him than most people, but I think Asa Lacey is a one, like a legit one. Yeah, and you really developed a lot of love for Max Meyer over, over, you know, the long period of time where we thought he was going to be a Mariner. Yeah, I mean, I thought he or Hancock were like a slam dunk, and up until, you know, maybe. 12 hours ago I, today's draft day so up until this morning i didn't even think nick gonzalez was going to be on the board so um yeah i think you and i were both kind of resigned to the fact that it was going to be hancock or meyer uh yeah. and everyone had heard um you know meyer was going to toronto and this and that but anyways let me let me kind of change direction here on the pick itself on on emerson hancock what are your thoughts Ooh, okay. So, uh, you know, after the Royals took Azel Lisi, I thought, okay, we're getting back into, onto track here. And then it was just a question. I'm obviously the Blue Jays were going to go with Martin, and so I knew we were going to have him. I knew we were going to have Hancock or Gonzalez to pick from. And I've made it very clear that I wanted a bat. I, it makes me nervous to build uh, so much um, of the rebuild around arms. And Jim Bowden, unhelpfully at The Athletic, posted a big article today about how teams should, the first five picks should have all been position players because position players traditionally give you more war over their careers than pitchers who tend to get hurt, get broken, flame out, etc. So that wasn't, and I didn't think that the methodology used in that article was great, to be honest. Um... But it was like just a little, a, a little twitchy. So I will admit that when they said Hancock, my heart dipped just a little bit. Like, like the present I wanted it was under the tree, but it wasn't like the color. That it I'd wasn't the brand. Of. Yeah, it was like <laughs> like mom got you that new Xbox game, but mom doesn't know that you have a PlayStation. <laughs> yes, it was like something that I'm, well, no, not that disappointing, because that would be unusable, right? This was sure. more like I'd had something in my head as the picture of, like, I want the blue My Little Pony, and then I opened it up, and it was the pink My Little Pony. And, like, no, that's stupid. It's it's the same gift. It's the same yeah. quality player. I think there's a very good argument that the that's pink the same quality My Little player. Pony has a good slider as well. <laughs> Pink My Little Pony can throw 99 <laughs> is the thing. I really like the Blue Pony's hit tool, but yeah. the, the Pink Pony's uh, racing circles around the house. No, I, uh, I think I think with uh, with with Emerson Hancock, like I said it in the in the last podcast, the Mariners couldn't go wrong in my opinion. Like if they took Gonzalez, if they took Hancock, if they took Meyer, uh that that's a I mean they acquired a really good player and like the worst they could do here is like a B plus and I don't think that happened, um, so I, you know I think Emerson Hancock immediately slots into the Mariners top five prospects for me he's right there behind 
Gilbert and, you know, in front of, I think in front of George Kirby by a pretty good margin. Um, what about you? Where, where do you see him slotting into the talent pool? Um, I, I'm not ready to put him ahead of Gilbert yet because and I have on the record as being very high on Gilbert. Um, I might be willing to put him ahead of Evan White, but mm. Evan White's not going to be a prospect here in, anytime soon. So, or in a little while. So ideally if we have a season, mm-hmm. um, it is really hard to pit him against these guys who have who are just you know majors adjacent to me without getting to see and there are red flags with him right like there is the little bit of injury history maybe a strained lad a little dead arm uh that kept him out of some contests last year there is like not a great start to his sec this year and probably the most i think consistently concerning is he's got this great fastball but it doesn't result in strikeouts all the time or as much as you think it would when it's like can touch 96 97 98 right no Uh, i think seattle adding him to their player development system is a match made in heaven because he's cut exactly from the type of fabric that this you know organization likes to mold and if they can get what they've gotten out of Logan Gilbert with the clay that they were given with him, um, I have, I mean, every every player is different, but I have no reason to believe they can't turn Emerson Hancock into a, you know, a, a, a number two starter. Absolutely. Because he's got the tools. He's got the pitches. It just needs some polish. Oh, I'm, I'm, I have higher expectations. I think he can be a one hmm. once they get through with... The biggest X factor to me with him is the curveball. The He didn't have to use it very much. It's not at all developed. If they can make that into something, like Logan Gilbert came with a curveball, but it wasn't the hammer curve that he throws now. It wasn't as nasty. Right. Um, the slider has gotten nastier over his time. We got a great question from James Roberts at Junk Ball Pitchin, always a, a staple of the pod who asked, with how our pitching development seems to have improved since the days of the Cerberus, Paxton Walker, Holtzen, should we be more optimistic about our upcoming arms than we were then? I mean, Paxton Walker, Holtzen is actually a good kind of caveat, right, about how arms develop. Like, Paxton and Walker, you can say, did not have smooth development. And I think you could pin both of those probably on Mariner's player development at the time. Holtzen just broke because sometimes pitchers just break. Right. I mean, um, that's the that's the best way to phrase it. And I wouldn't even go as far as to say Taiwan Walker has had a bad career. You know, um, no, the player it's just development... been interrupted, right? Right. With the Tige and so it you have to put it on the Mariners for Taiwan because um, he was starting to scratch the surface, and then we finally, you know, sent him on his way. Um, and you look at Paxton and. Pretty much from the moment Jerry Depoto came into the into the program, and they told this guy, "Hey, you know, change your arm slot and start throwing uh, throwing strikes," he took off, and now he's one of the top. I mean, you could argue he's probably one of the top four or five left-handers in the game. So it's not like the talent isn't there; it's just that the old player development regime wasn't getting the job done. And this one has, as this question asks. Um, has only shown a propensity to get the most out of guys. So I would feel really good about this. Um, You can't go wrong with more arms. And I think I said it like a month ago. um, If Seattle took Hancock, they immediately move into one of the top three, maybe four, maybe probably top three 
farm systems for for pitching. I mean, you, you kind of got to look at Kansas City, you got to look at Detroit, and then after that, do you have another team with three advanced like top 100 starting pitchers? I I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, no. Detroit, I mean, Kansas City. I, I you know what? San Diego has a bunch of them, but those guys aren't those guys aren't advanced. They're not producing. Yeah, and they're think. just they're not moving like up the up the system. So it would depend like I would have really liked to see Dinelson Lamette this year and as like a gauge to kind of judge how the Padres are doing with development. Yeah. And I think that that's something we get in arguments with people a lot when we say the Mariners have improved their pitching development. People are like, prove it, show us how, why. Um, we don't see a ton of that. Well, I mean, right now their major league rotation, theoretically, is made out of a bunch of guys that they didn't get to mold from day one. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all guys who came to them and came to them with like varying degrees of wear and tear and warts. And, you know, we had Marco, who came from TJ, from being developed in the Cardinal system. There's Kikuchi, who had years of playing in Japan. There's Justin Dunn, who came out of the Mets. And Sheffield, who came from the Yankees. So I don't think you can look at any of those guys and be like, these are sure. players. I think Logan Gilbert is the only one you can look at and say, like, this is a player who has been molded through the Mariners farm system since the day he turned pro. So it's tricky because, like, on the qualitative performance side at the big league level, no. Uh, Seattle hasn't graduated anybody yet that has shown an ability to <clears throat> perform at the big league level. But like on a more quantitative side, just about every pitcher that they bring into the organization adds three miles an hour to their fastball. Like it's just, it's right. what, it's what they do. And they're We've... turning, they're turning, I'm not going to like say any names because I'm not affiliating this to any one player, but they're turning like recycled trash can relievers into like trade bait. Like, really actual, actualized... Oh, I think it's very fair to attach names to that. I will go ahead and attach, like, Austin Adams' name to that. Austin Adams is a perfect example. I, I still uh, think... Brandon Aust Brennan. Brandon um, Brennan. Who's the other guy? I mean, there's a lot of guys that, like, haven't necessarily... Who's the guy who got hurt, who I was so excited about, and he threw so hard? Oh, uh... Got him from the Rangers. Connor Sadzik? Yep, Sadzik. Yeah, I, I mean, like, he's, Z, a, Z, he's another guy. Um, so, like, yeah, it, maybe they haven't, on the starting pitcher side, like, blown things out of the water at the big league level, but everyone that they've groomed, that they've brought into the organization has taken a step forward, like, tangibly in terms of what they do on the mound. We'll see. I mean, hey, that's kind of what's going to make or break Jerry Depoto's job is three years from now Absolutely. have these guys have these guys performed because he's clearly putting all of his eggs in the starting pitcher basket in the draft. And that works for some teams. So we'll see what happens. But I kind of wanted to shift off of that question because we had mentioned some other teams like the Padres and we oh, I want to get to this one question really quickly. Okay. Um, Day at Day Holy Grail asks who has the higher upside Gilbert or Hancock? Just maybe before we leave that, mm. that conversation. Uh, I'm more bullish on Gilbert than most people. I think he has ace potential. Um, so I would say Gilbert and because he's shown it. Um, what do you think? 
I'm going to go with Hancock just from size, honestly, or from body, I guess, because they're both tall guys. And I think Gilbert is really good at using his levers, those crazy long arms and legs. Hancock is just a big kid. Like he is physically bigger than Logan Gilbert. And as a result, can burn his fastball up into those upper 90s. And I think could maybe hold that better than Gilbert will be able to. So I think Gilbert is better as far as a Gilbert is more of a pitcher's pitcher. He has yeah. a beautiful pitch mix. It's all polished. He's really going to deceive guys. He's going to outcompete you on the mound. Hancock, I think, is just physically going to dominate, kind of like we saw James Paxton almost, like just a physically bigger guy, you know. So I lo- I like them both, but I think maybe if if you like power pitchers, you will like Hancock better. Yeah, I think they've got some very similar makeup. I mean, Gilbert's a Gilbert's a mountain of a man too. He's like six foot five. Um, but I think you're dead on when you say Emerson Hancock. He just like looks the conventional ace type. He looks scary. Yeah, <laughs> he looks he looks stronger. He looks he's got the broad shoulders. Um, yeah, he he looks he just looks the part. And it took Gilbert a couple of years in the in the system to kind of. I don't want to say like goofy his way up the system because, you know, it all just moves in a unorthodox way that really works. Um, right. So, yeah, I totally see what you're saying. And the fact that we're just, even having this conversation is should be exciting to Mariners fans. It is a really nice one-two punch because I think they're different enough too. like Gilbert is going to come at you like velvet glove, you know, just punch you in the face while you're not even expecting it. And Hancock is just going to get up there and throw it at you. And here it is, hit it. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really fun, imagine facing one of those guys on one night and one of those guys on the next night. And then, oh yeah, there's also Kikuchi, Marco, Justin Dunn, Justin Sheff, like whoever else kind of coming after them. So yeah. It'd be be really good. It'd be really, really good for Seattle if Justice Sheffield worked out or Kikuchi, like if either one of those two worked out, because if they can slot a lefty in between Gilbert and Hancock, uh, that would be real nice. Oh, and I left off Brandon Williamson and Mm -hmm. George Kirby and Isaiah uh, Isaiah Campbell. Yep. Yep. Now it's, it's definitely at that point where you know, I, I don't want to monstrous. Like, I don't want to like take anything away from the farm system because it's so sweet right now. But like, the team is going to have to move like a couple of these arms for assets. And I don't know, you know, if it's Campbell or or Williamson or you know, uh, Sam Carlson. Like, it could be anybody. But like, there's too many arms in this organization. There are too many arms. Too many arms. But then again half of them will fail because that's just baseball like tin stats it's it, that, that's no not like jaded mariners thing. that's not that, that's not jaded mariners that's just baseball absolutely all right you want to go back to the yeah, direction wanna, you wanted to go next yeah i wanted to circle back because we talked about some other teams that um have good farm systems and so on the note of other teams one so the first part of the question is for you who was the steal of the draft what what pick just seemed like excess value? Mm, well, let's see. Um, you know I was happy to see my Robert Hassel go at number eight. 
which mm-hmm. I think is excess value because if I had gotten to pick him, I would have taken him first because he was my favorite. <laughs> yeah. um, but honestly, that was higher than he was expected to go. I was really delighted he didn't go to the Angels. Um, that was, to me, very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if we want to talk about excess value, though, we have to maybe go into the arms that started to fall because there was a real run on... Um, position players and especially power hitters uh power seemed to be kind of at a premium towards the top of the draft so uh i might go with Ooh, i don't know though i'm really tempted to say garrett mitchell at 20 to the brewers because the lowest i had seen him was i think 19 and he is so toolsy and to get Mm -hmm. him at 20 yeah i mean he he could I, Honestly, I think this is a, a great draft. I like, think that was a steal. Like eighty percent of the players that were taken in the first round could turn into like really valuable big league players, and I don't think he's any different. All right, that's my steal position player because I think he's for somebody who had been talked about a number six pick at one point. I think that is outrageous value. Sure, my arm pick is Nick Bitsko to the Rays mm. at twenty four. Because uh, you're talking about a guy who could have been at the top of the draft next year, and I don't just was such a wild card that and the Rays are exactly the kind of team that could take him and gamble on him because their system is so stacked that like if he doesn't work out, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a luxury pick for them. I hated them a little for making it, um, but I respect it. Okay. I How think about you? For me, uh, the conversation. Well, I have a definitive hitter and a definitive pitcher. The pitcher is Mick Abel, and I've talked about him in every pod. Your boy. My boy. He went 15 to the Phillies, which I think is just an absolute dynamite fit. Uh, They are lacking in arms right now, especially with Spencer Howard probably graduating in 2020. I think he immediately becomes one of the, if not the best prospect in their system, with the exception of Spencer Howard. Um, So I'm really excited about that fit uh, and I'm excited to track his progress. And then the other one, the other one is Tyler Soderstrom. And I know that that is kind of like chalk because he was the 11th ranked prospect or whatever. And he fell all the way to 26 to Oakland, but that is a bat that I believe in. I think he's going to be an above average hitter. I think he's going to bring above average power to the table and he's got the athleticism and, and versatility to play wherever Oakland wants him to play, which is their freaking calling card. Like, stick him in left field, stick him in right field, stick him behind the plate, put him at third base. Like, he can play anywhere, and if they give him enough at-bats, I think this guy could run into 30 home runs. I just, I really believe in the bat. I, I believe in the the worker, and so I, I really like that one. But I did want to throw in one more that is kind of off the wall, kind of... Um, off the beaten path. I think Bobby Miller at 29 for the Dodgers is a really good one because at like at worst, I think I really believe in Bobby Miller as an elite bullpen arm. And I think at best he's going to be, you know, a two or a three in the Dodgers rotation. I, I believe that much in his uptick this year. It's just, his arms are very, very long. He's very, very tall. And, um, he was hitting 99 this year with a bang out slider so that would be that would be my third one kind of cheating there 
All right, then I want to cheat too and say sure. I'm so mad that the Cardinals took John Jordan Walker at 21. So mad. Yeah. Like it's obviously we knew he had a big price tag on him. It's kind of the only place that he could have gone. Um but boy was I bummed to see that particular player who I really like go to that particular franchise which I don't like so much. But so. they do develop hitters. They do, and you know what? Uh, Mariners love to tra- they love to trade with the Cardinals. So yeah. I'm just going to imagine in a few years uh, we are able to to trade them one of these arms that we have for a Jordan Walker. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to flip the switch again here, and okay. uh, as far as just draft as a team goes in general, who had your who had your favorite draft? Give me a couple uh, the of Padres, them. Your, your two the favorite, Padres, two the, favorite. The Padres, because they took my favorite player, obviously. Okay. Um, and no, they got but Justin I really, Lang, too. The, yeah, I mean, ridiculous. They're just, they're ridiculous. They're, so every time the Padres draft, I get mad about it because it's the rich get richer. And it has not translated into on-field, like, success yet. It's very frustrating not to watch them play because I always feel like, this is the year I'm going to be a Padres fan and. They just don't do it. So that, um, that I think depending on what they do the rest of the draft, they might have one of my favorite drafts, which obviously is heavily weighted by that. Uh, I love the Rockies taking Veen at nine, too. Yeah. How fun. And what a good thing for a deserving fan base that deserves something really fun. Yeah, he's going to be a lot of fun. And the Rockies got, they also got Drew Romo uh at 35 who is another really fun prep project the rockies got sizably better today yeah which is great because they needed to um yeah i think i think probably from i think those two clubs had my favorite both the nl west okay for me um i'm not gonna say the phillies or the rockies because you already use them but um, sorry no it's fine Uh, the one that sticks out is the new york mets for me which is kind of sacrilegious to say <laughs> you don't want to curse the draft on them any more than it can already be but uh pete crow armstrong i had heard rumors that he might go as high as seven um to get and i know that i've talked to new york Mets scouts like pete crow armstrong has been at the top of their board for the better part of like six to eight weeks and they just never thought that he would fall that far so i think that was a big big win for their organization and then the other one that I really liked was uh, the Washington Nationals. I thought Cade Cavalli at 22 was a really good pick. Um, I think he's super polished, and he brings everything that you'd want to the mound. So I think they're going to really like uh, having him in the organization. Uh, and then, you know, I already mentioned Soderstrom. I already mentioned Abel. So I do think the Phillies and the Athletics did really well. Let's uh, flip it on its head, though. Who were you not a fan of? Um, I'm sure one team will stick out, so <laughs> let's avoid that team, but give me one team that you thought could have done better. I cannot believe the Giants didn't take a pitcher, and I cannot believe yeah. they took a college catcher. Took a what catcher. are you doing, Giants? Literally, what are you doing? He is the best. They took Patrick Bailey out of NC State, b- widely recognized as the best college catcher, which would be a great choice for any other club that didn't have Joey Bart that in didn't it. Didn't have the best catching prospect already. I'm. I was just so. I mean, I know you don't draft for need, but why? And especially, it's not like he's a high school guy. It's not like there's a huge gap between them. No. It's not. 
And it's not like Bart is bad. I watched a lot of Joey Bart playing against our Modesto Nuts this year in the Cal League. He is annoyingly good. I hated when he came up. Like, it sucks. And then he went to double A and he also mashed at double A. Like, the kid is going to hit. He's about as sure thing as you can have. And he can receive. So yeah. I I was utterly baffled about that. It that does choice. make you think maybe um maybe they don't believe in Joey Bart sticking behind the plate or they think about moving him to first base because Bart's bat is like 10 times better than what Patrick Bailey's is and Patrick Bailey is definitely a a defense first like catch and throw position player so I don't know what the frame of thought was there. They must have just had Patrick Bailey as the best player on their board, and they didn't stray away from it. Yeah, so I don't understand that pick at all. Um, I just think it's so weird. Like, you don't have... I mean, they've got some outfield. They've got some infield. They just really do not have anything even close to resembling a frontline starter. And... Do they have a shortstop? I don't think they have a shortstop. They got Marco Luciano. Oh, they've out. got Luciano. That's right. <clears throat> yeah, and he looks like the real thing. But no, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, there I was arms them... on the board. Like, Cade Cavalli. Cade, Cade Cavalli. Cavalli would have been such a good fit for the Giants. Um, if they, they also, wanted to go high school, Jerry Kelly was They could have gone Mick Abel. Mick Abel, Bryce Jarvis, who mm-hmm. I really liked, and who has, like, some, well, I guess not really West. I mean, he trained at Driveline. I don't know that's west west coast enough but i mean pete crow armstrong because i'm not sure about hunter bishop sticking yeah. in center like another, and Garrett that's a huge Mitchell? outfield that's an enormous outfield yeah you need to have like a high you need a speedy runner guy out there and yeah um helio ramos has had some knee issues like mm-hmm. i don't think he can cover all them i think he's a corner outfielder i do too i think he's a left fielder and when you've already got hunter bishop in the other corner it's like uh, might have been might have been a good idea to shore that up, but um, yeah, Wild. that was a questionable pick for me. For me, I didn't love the Orioles draft, and I know that that's going to be a really popular sentiment. But I'll preface it by saying it might be really good, like at two thirty tomorrow. If they get <laughs> like if they draft Dax Fulton at thirty nine, like all is forgiven. But to save what. I'm hearing is almost $3 million with your first pick of the draft. And then to take Jordan Westberg at 30, who I like. But, but at 30. But, but is he, I, I mean, I like Jordan Westberg at 30, but is he an overslot or are they just going to go prep the rest of the way? Or I don't know. It it seemed like a weird move to me. Um, that and the Braves. Jared Schuster, I really like Jared Schuster. I have him like 45 on my board, but 25 uh, doesn't have a great fastball. Like that was a peculiar pick to me because the Braves always go for like that big arm. Like, you know, Bobby Miller would have made a little bit more sense or Justin Lang. I had heard them connected to Tink Hentz and Jared Jones. And I was just waiting for one of those guys to come off the board. When they announced Schuster, it was, uh, that was a little strange to me, but... We'll see. I mean, there's still four more picks for just about every team, so we'll see what happens. I know. You know who I liked for them? I liked Cole Wilcox there because Mm. I wondered if he might, as a hometown kid, kind of cut them a little bit of a break. And 
Um, he is the kind of kid that I think that they like to take. They like a prep pitching prospect and they feel like they can develop that. So I think yeah. Wilcox isn't a prep, but he isn't quite a totally polished, you know, he's not a, he's only a draft eligible soft. So I was yeah. surprised by that. Well, that kind of leads into the next question of what, you know, what now, like what's next? Like how do these teams improve on their draft? Is there, is there, let's, let's break this up into positions. So is there three pitchers left on your board that you are excited to see what happens with them tomorrow? Or I mean that you'd love to see Seattle take. Ooh. Um, I mean, I, I have to, to, fundraise for Jared Kelly a little bit here I guess um just because I think he's so good like I all of a sudden all this talk sprung up about like he doesn't have a second pitch he doesn't have a slider blah 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 uh, or he doesn't have an effective slider I think the Mariners can fix that like put that kid into I know Brian DeLunis likes him and has a relationship with him put that kid into our you've said that you don't think he has all that much interest in going to school like Mm-hmm. Put that kid in a pro regimen, and I think that he's, even if he wants overslot, like, you should have enough with that yeah. extra pick to take him, so. Yeah, I think he's going to cost probably about 2.3 to 2.5, so you'd have to go, like, 600,000 over, um, and somebody's going to go over for Jared Kelly. For two and a half, two point five million. like, that's a great value for an arm like that, so if it's Seattle, great, but... Uh, how about us? a couple others? Um, we got a question from Brandon Keba at K3BBA, who asked what our who our top five choices are, and said that his are Cole Wilcox, Clayton Beater, Dylan Dingler, Blaze Jordan, Tyler Keenan. Um, I will say I also like Clayton Beater quite a quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Are we just doing arms right now? Let's just do uh, okay. choose three arms, three arms that are left on the board. How about this? To make it less complicated, choose three arms that are on the board that make sense at 43, not like, you know, way down the list. Not way down the list. Okay. Um, I do like Clayton Beater. Here's why I like Clayton Beater. I think that he is Max Meyer light. Like, what I liked about Max Meyer but was fearful about Max Meyer is also there to a lesser extent in Clayton Beater. He can really run a fastball up there. Maybe he has a chance to start. Maybe he's a reliever. The reliever risk is bigger with him, which is why he is down here and not up where Max Meyer is. But I'm more comfortable with taking him here and giving him a chance to start. And then if that doesn't work, then okay, maybe he's. we just start to develop him as a back-end closer type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally fine with that. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So him uh, in that same mold, although I don't think it's a good idea for the Mariners to take him, but I would keep an eye on Burl Caraway from DBU. Sure. As a reliever only. I still have my heart set on a prep. Uh, I really like Alex Santos out of the Bronx. I've been a cheerleader for him for a while. I just think he's a he's a good cultural fit, and I would love. I just think that there's a big upside there, um, and maybe C.J. Van Eyck Van Eck. There you go. What his name was. I wrote a draft preview on him though. I mean, I had him as like a in the 20s earlier this year. So he's somebody who I think is suffering from the fact that this draft is just stuffed. He's a safe college arm. So there's t- there there are tons of different ways to go here. But I guess after taking a college arm uh, with six, I'd love a prep arm here. For me, I think, um, so as we record this, it's kind of coming out in different ways that uh, it sounds like Cole Wilcox is going to go back to school um he's had a number that's floated around two and a half 2.6 um and i don't love the idea of going 800,000 over slot for a college arm uh that scares me a little bit so cole wilcox jt ginn has been floated at about three million so i can't imagine he's going to be picked and then cole henry from lsu who's been a pretty popular name uh mocked to seattle at 43 uh, LSU has, has kind of informally made a statement that it's they're they're confident that he'll come back to school as well. So, uh, he, and he's only 20 years old, so he's got a lot of leverage. So that's you know that's three names that come off the board that is a little disappointing. I think um, Chris McMahon is one that out of Miami that you have to look at. Oh yes, uh, I totally forgot about him. Yeah, I I, mean, I really really like him. I a do lot. too. He's got a great athletic makeup and he's got a good track record and Chris McMahon is someone who would have gone at like 14 last year. Oh yeah. And got been a considered great a steal. Beard. <laughs> good oh. beard. Yeah. So, I know you like that. Yeah. All right. So Chris McMahon would be one of my picks. Um I think Dax Fulton is a really, really cool idea, but Seattle, I don't know if Seattle will even have the opportunity to take him at 43, but that's a big one for me. And then the last one that I would want to point out, even though Seattle's not going to take him, is going to be, you know, like you said, Jared Jones or Mason Wynn. Um, I want a project Rip like that. Project. Yeah, I want a project like that. I you know, we'll see what happens. I haven't heard the team is connected to either one of those guys, but, um, you know, we'll see. I think Jeff Criswell out of Michigan would be fun too. He's kind of built like you want to see him. Um, all right. So we'll flip it on, flip it on its head. How about, uh, a couple of position players at 43 that are still on the board that interest you? Oh, position players is thinner. I'm looking down my list right now. Um, I think the big name is Dylan Dingler, who is such a name. (laughs) Dylan Dingler. Uh, He is also still on the board. Somehow he's also a catcher. Um, I had him going way up in like the 20s. I don't know why he slipped. Do you know why he slipped? No, I had him going to Milwaukee, but it seemed like so many premier talents kept slipping that I think a lot of people scrambled 
Yeah. Um, he, you know, I think there was a little bit of a run of middle infielders and maybe that just kind of squeezed him out. I don't know. I mean, he's, he, he's, there are some people who say like, no, he's, he's a guess hitter. He's an ambush hitter. Like that's where his power comes from. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think you cannot, if he is there when we pick, I love Cal Raleigh. Uh, you can never have too many catchers, especially can, catchers who can hit. Dingler can, I mean, Dingler's like, I love Cal Raleigh too, but he's like twice the athlete that he is. He could play center field, like no doubt. Dingler's, yeah. Dingler's that kind of athlete. And even if we wanted to like have a really fun project experiment, like you could throw him at third base and see, because he's got really good hands and he's got a really good arm. So I could see, you know, maybe Seattle goes like a catcher third base hybrid and just sees what they can do with it. It'd be really hard to walk away from Dylan Dingler at 43. I, I mean, I, if he is there and we know he's not going to cost like the moon or anything. So Mm -hmm. I just think that that's absolutely the way that I would like to see them go. Um, I like Daniel Cabrera from LSU. He is kind of near the top of his skill set, And I don't know if, you know, what he looks like in the pros, if he's maybe able to hold down a corner, if he's a fourth outfielder. I have an interesting comp on Cabrera. I think uh, Nick Markakis is a good Ah, end goal for him. Just, you know, nothing flashy, but floats around 285 like for 15 years. Before the season ended, LSU was for some reason one of the games that, one of the teams that I just happened to catch a bunch of their games. And, um... I noticed that the the LSU announcers always spoke about him with, like, he got off to a rough start this season. Um, the LSU announcers kind of spoke about him, like, lovingly, but with frustration. Like, I feel like very much the way that I've talked about Mike Zanino for many years hmm. is, like, we, exp- we want better from you. We know you can do better. And uh, he just really, really ran into just kind of a, a bad patch, I think, to start this year. Um, but he's got a big power swing. I like the swing. It's very simple. Um, you know, he didn't do awesome on the Cape. Um, but he's, he's safe. Like I would not be unhappy with him as a pick and, you know, and it's getting hard to access position players because there were so many of them taken in the first round and there are so many arms. So the the choices aren't like ideal but i feel like and there aren't a lot of them so i'd really like to see them hop on a position even though i love the pitchers i would really like to see them hop on a position player here at 43 yeah i think which i don't think they'll do just to be clear i know (laughs) like like, so dingler is a really fun one and um daniel cabrera is a really fun one i my eyes just go to they go to Casey Martin immediately. I mean, to get that kind of... How can of, they not? How can they not? To get those kind of tools at 43, I mean, you might be looking at like a top 10 talent with just a lot of really brutally rough edges. Um, so I would And we've be talked about it. Like there's a potential that Casey Martin, you're able to coach him out of the swing and miss problem. Yep. I mean, there's a potential also that Casey Martin never gets out of double a like 
that's very possible. But there's also a potential that a lot of these guys don't sure. get out of double A. Yeah, that's the inherent risk. With, Except the pitchers. Yeah, that's the inherent risk. It's with much guys, easier but... to make it as a pitcher than it is as anything else. If you do not break, I yeah. should say. Like, you are at much more risk of breaking as a pitcher, and that's bad, obviously. But, like, I mean, just hang around and, and throw and don't suck too badly, and you can, like... <laughs> just grit your way through the minors whereas i feel like it's much harder you get exposed much quicker as a batter yeah i would agree um so yeah i I think casey martin is the one that sticks out for me the other one uh i'm gonna actually say three really quick just because i kind of want to uh anthony servideo is one that has been talked to by seattle quite a bit Uh, i think he'd be a really fun personality in the organization but the other one that gets a lot of press is Kevin Parada. He's going to be expensive, and he's going to cost us a draft pick later in the draft. But I want a big bat. and I, That's I what you have the extra draft pick for. Yeah, I mean, just burn the fifth-round pick and take Kevin Parada at you know, 43 or 64. So, And it's not even burning be it because there are so many people in this draft who are just going to be happy to get drafted. Like, yeah. You can give them significantly under slot, and it's still going to be much more than the twenty thousand dollars they'd get as a free agent. Right. So you can give, yeah, like you said, you can give these guys a lot of these guys like two hundred grand, and they don't really have a chance to walk away from that. Which sucks. Like it just sucks. To, just to be clear, we are it not sucks, pro. We are not is, pro this economic situation. But it is the game. We are just saying yes. If you, you know. want to play the draft to win, these are the right. kinds of things you need to do. Okay, well, oh, you know what? And I forgot to mention one thing. I, I hate to revert back, um, but I want to make one little note on Emerson Hancock. Uh, I forgot to mention the only thing that really concerns me about the profile is the fact that he never pitched on the Cape. Yeah. That bothers me. Like, he was not good his freshman year um, after being highly recruited and highly touted. And then he was really good his sophomore year and then elected to rest and train. And then he was like, he didn't even play summer ball. And then he was like, okay, this year. So, like, the package is there, and the mold is there, but I would like to have seen maybe a little bit more I think it's getting more popular for a lot of those guys to not go to the Cape, to opt out and to do training, especially guys who, like, want to work on one particular pitch, or they want to... I suppose. I just, I feel like the quality of the pitching, and I haven't read anything, this is just pure gut feel is that the quality of the pitching in the Cape, while significantly higher than elsewhere, has gone down somewhat as guys are really resting and doing more arm care and stuff. Yeah. Um, but you're also missing a huge development opportunity, as you say, by pitching against some of the best players in college baseball. And, and hell, he got picked sixth, so it's not like <clears throat> yeah, obviously not he necessarily a huge problem. needed it. Like, Nick Gonzalez went seventh largely because of the Cape. If he wouldn't have done what he did in the Cape, he Absolutely probably goes not. like Absolutely 47th. Not. Yes. So. Which I'm well, sad for all those kids who aren't getting to be on the Cape right now. Yeah. Um, so, Alex, that actually relates to a question we got from Todd Carter at oh, T. Carter 108. What's the plan moving forward for these kids getting drafted for the rest of the year? They usually go to Everett for a bit, but not sure that's an option this year. As we're talking about kind of player development issues. Yep. So DePoto said today that he didn't envision a scenario where the player that they picked was going to be as a part of their taxi squad. So I think, um, you know, Emerson has largely been rumored at the top of their board for the last two weeks. So I would say that probably still rings true. 
Um, what's going to happen is they will sign, uh, and if Seattle, I mean, hopefully they will sign, and if Seattle uh, wants to, they'll send them down to Arizona for complex uh, inter-squad games and training and um, basically extended spring training. They won't play any affiliated ball this year, at least none that will be like stat-tracked that we can follow. Boo. Yeah, boo, but... That is 2020 in a nutshell. Yes, 2020's <laughs> motto is Well, there might boo. be cool things going, but we won't get to experience them. Um, we have a question from Alex Langer at AP Langer. He says, what does a successful draft after this look like? A prep shortstop, another pitcher. What will make this draft a home run? I think it's maybe good as we transition into talking about what day two will look like beyond pick 43. Like, what do you want to see just in broad terms? Um, so I want to see at least one more pick with a big league floor, whether that's at 43 or 64. So some of the pitchers that we had mentioned at 43, like, uh, CJ Van Eck or, or Chris McMahon, or, you know, hell if Dylan Dingler falls in their lap. Uh, I want to see someone. Dylan that, Dingler. The Dingler. Bring me Dylan Dingler. The wicked Dingler. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to see one more big league floor. And then. I think the rest is kind of all like cherry on top. I I want to see one prep. I mean, I'll say that like loud and clear. I want to see Mason Wynn or Kobe Mayo or Kevin Parada or, you know, any of the like Milan Tolentino or Jake Vogel, like Colt Keith. There's a million of them that I've talked to and researched. And I want one of those guys in the organization, someone that we can, you know, sink our teeth into and Really a little develop. baby that we can watch, like our little, our little egg, our little grow. flower child or yeah. egg child that we can, we can I watch. Want another Joe Rizzo in the organization that we can follow, preferably one that's a little bit more dynamic. No, no, nothing on, nothing against no Joe. No shade, but Joe. Something up the middle. So that's it. Something for me. up the middle, like a wild athlete. Yes. That's that's it for me. Like, give me a big league floor that's fun to track and. Give me a high upset prep. Like, that's it. I agree. Very, I mean, we're so easy. We're so easy to please. Yeah. I don't another guy. Pitcher, I don't, I mean, whatever. I mean, I will say I want a catcher. I want some kind of catcher. I don't care what form it comes in. I want a catcher. Because, you want Casey Opitz. Oh, Casey Opitz would be fun. Dingler, obviously. Um, there's a kid who I think is a very back end target who I like. Uh, Kale Elm, Kale, oh, Kale Emshoff. Emshoff, yeah. Um, we're going to have a piece coming out tomorrow that's like day two, kind of way back, like not round two, not round three, round four, or maybe probably more round five slash free agent guys to look for, like really digging deep into that top 500 prospects list. Um, I like Kale. He's had a rough... He's had a rough... Baseball has just not been nice to him. Like, he had TJ. Uh, this was supposed to be kind of his year to prove it. And he didn't get a chance to do that. But he was off to a super hot start. So, mm-hmm. um, I would like to see someone like that. Somebody who's a little under the radar, but, like, they're trending up. Uh, who plays a position of need. Because yeah. even though I know it's stupid to draft for need, I want a catcher, a shortstop, a second baseman, a center fielder. <laughs> like... yeah. I think if Kale isn't picked by pick 78, there's like, or maybe even 64. I've been hearing his name really, really move up boards lately. Really? Oh, wow. Maybe I mean, he's just, 
everyone's enamored by power, and that guy's got a, a huge stroke. Yeah. So. This draft has been huge on power. Um, I mean, we're just seeing power come off the board very quickly. Yeah. Aaron Sabato went a lot higher Flying than I thought he was going to as well. Speaking of power, he's kind of like Torkelson light. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems to be, which also makes me wonder about one of my other favorite targets, who is an outfielder from Georgia Tech, Baron Radcliffe, who is a big, big boy at 6'4", and holds the record for the longest home run ever hit at Georgia Tech. I think it went 471 feet. Ooh. Yeah, he is a big, big boy. But because he was a, a high school quarterback, he's a little less polished, and he strikes out a lot. Um, he's just got, I think, pitch recognition issues that come from not having stood in a batting cage a hundred hours a day like a lot of these guys have. Mm-hmm. So uh, really intriguing. I just want someone like that. So like, maybe somebody who's a little bit of an underdog, somebody I can really get attached to with a big personality. I know you posted the the, <laughs> the tweet of Garrett Mitchell dancing. With his with, lovely girlfriend. With Haley Cruz, Haley who is an Cruz. awesome, awesome... Uh, what Oregon softball player. Pair. I wish. Yeah. I dynamic, don't... dynamic power couple there. I didn't really want Pac-12 Garrett Mitchell. Power couple. I didn't really want Garrett Mitchell in Seattle just because we didn't really need him. But, but man, you want the personality. It would have been so cool to have those social medias here. Oh, yeah. Oh, it would have been. I mean, too, like, obviously, again, it would be cool to have Haley Cruz be part of, like, our extended Mariner family. That would have oh, been... Yeah. She would have definitely come on the pod. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that would have that would have just been super dope. But uh, alas, Karen Mitchell, why do you have to be an outfielder? Um, yeah. Whatever they were going to take pitching anyway. Um, yep. But yeah, I would. I I just want somebody like that, like somebody just selfishly because there's been so little to be excited about or joyful about this year. Like I want them. I like Emerson Hancock. He is not. Um, dynamic on the social medias or anything you know he's not a big personality he's he's kind of like logan gilbert he's he's chill so just somebody who like julio you know we can get really attached to that i just want one just one one of the five you want one prep i want one fun guy that's that's a good way of looking at it so uh, I think we only have just this one last question, and it is a which good has question. been making Joe laugh all pod long. <laughs> it's just the way it's written is just funny. <laughs> like I don't know. So, and I think everyone's asking this question with the Mariners like blatantly skipping out on Nick Gonzalez. Who the hell is going to play infield for this team? Thank you to Caleb Palma at Caleb Palma for that question. <laughs> that is a great question. Who the hell? So the question is. Simple and kind of complex. Like, no, I, I don't think their infield is currently in the organization, but the free agent class that's coming out, like, in the shortstop pool is gaudy. It is monstrous. So if Seattle, like, Seattle has, I don't know if the pandemic is going to change this or anything, but as of, like, four months ago, Seattle had, like, $100 million per year to spend after 2021 with Seager and Felix and Cano and all these contracts coming off the books. So this year alone, after this, you know, um, shortened season ends, Marcus Simeon and DD Gregorius will be hitting the free agent market. So Marcus Simeon, I mean, you don't want to give up on JP Crawford probably after this year. That's way too early. Um, so I don't know if he makes sense, but DD Gregorius can play second base. He's played quite a bit of second base. 
Um, if you want, you know, to go in a different direction than Shedlong in the starting uh, lineup. But more, I mean, more than likely the team will wait until after the 2021 season to really spend. And that's when Corey Seager, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, uh, Javier Baez, they're all hitting the market at the same time. And I would guess, I mean, if I were a betting man, I would guess one of Marcus Semien and D.D. Gregorius will be back on the market with the way that uh, financials are in this world right now. They're probably going to get one-year deals. One so, D.D. Gregorius, please. Gregorius would be really, really fun. For Talk about somebody with deal. a big personality. Yeah, and DJ LeMahieu is coming on to the uh, free agent market too after 2021. So, right. Like, Again, there's a ton of talent like out there. Something I feel we're getting robbed of is getting to see if JP Crawford was able to kind of straighten himself out at the plate this year after having a pretty up and down time last year. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're being robbed of seeing Shed Long play regularly and see what kind of defender he is. Shed Long is being robbed out of not being able to play. Yes. He I mean, obviously. The showcase. Primarily they are being robbed, but also us. Also yeah. the fans. Won't anyone think of the fans? Uh, answer no. Um, <laughs> I think also, though, we've got, you know, Noel V. Marte is coming up too. I don't know where he's going to land, but that kid can hit. That kid can hit, hit, hit. I, f- I totally believe in the hit tool. It'll just be a question of where they place him defensively. Um, so, I mean, there is some stuff coming up in the system. Not a lot. Some. Um, and then there's there's the guys we have already. So I don't even know if they're going to splash all that big in the free agent pool. But it's nice to know that they have that option if things are... If things go sideways with the guy that they guys that they've brought in, yep. I mean, they're going to spend money. They're not going to end up with like a forty million dollar payroll. They're yes, they a big will. Market, the Mariners will spend, spend money. money. They've always spent money. Yes, spending money is not a problem. So yeah, I mean, I think at this stage, the free agent acquisitions for Seattle is probably going to be one big arm at some point. Um, which there's a ton of those coming onto the market in 2021. Uh, and then probably two infielders. One thing that we didn't talk about was that third base. Uh, you got Nolan Arenado, who's going to be becoming a free agent. Or wait, he just signed a big extension. He can opt out of it after 2021, but that's not set in stone. Chris Bryant is going to be a free agent. Um, Matt well, Catman. also, the um, the Rockies can trade us Nolan Arenado, who is not super happy with them. Nope. Uh, who knows if he'll be more happy after, you know, this some of these prospects start to roll in but i think the point is like seattle has more than enough assets now in its minor league system to wheel and deal and right Jerry even though a lot of those assets that. are on one side sure. that's still they're still assets yep i mean value is value it doesn't matter where it's at so we just have to trust them to make some good trades so more mitch hanniger trades less nick rumbelow trades please <laughs> Oh, Nick. I'm sorry. I will never, never get over, never get over that trade. My least well, favorite. Hey, we got him back. <laughs> mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. But anyways, that is all of the questions. Thank you so much for everyone. sending those in, everybody. Yeah. And uh, Kate and I will definitely be back uh, for a wrap-up podcast. and Maybe John. We don't know. Get, try and get John back on the podcast as well. Um but yeah, we're looking forward to tomorrow. They're going to add some 
more fun names and um yeah we'll have even more people to talk about so uh we'll try to get out the next pod as quickly as possible we'll obviously have write-ups of all the picks on the site and um tomorrow if you check the site during the day because i'm gonna try to get this out tonight even though i'm sure a lot of people will be in bed um tomorrow slash today whenever you are listening to this there should be a write-up uh for some of our favorite back-end day two targets on the site tomorrow Uh, i'm looking forward to it i I think we're going to be really happy with the outcome of tomorrow and with any luck we will have heard of like some last the last three picks like (laughs) some of them (laughs) chances are we won't have heard of the last three picks no and we'll we'll school ourselves really quickly yeah all right so we'll uh we'll chat again soon joe and we'll chat to you too thank you again so much for listening and we'll see you next time bye yeah we went out last night one thing started leading to another Singing, I got you, babe, my sunny and share. Your life was good everywhere. We went out last night.